Hi, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Alicia. And this is Camp Final Girls. Hello, everybody. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our last spooky episode. It's Halloween. (laughs) It is. Well, it's a true crime episode, but it takes place on Halloween. So it's a very appropriate. Are you ready for Halloween? I am. I'm so excited because my mom and sister and niece and dog are driving out here. (laughs) As we speak, I'm waiting in a hotel room for them, which is where I'm recording. And it's very interesting. I've never recorded in a place that wasn't my home. So mm-hmm. we'll see how this goes. But they have like this desk that was like, Chelsea, come record on me. <laughs> and here I am. I'm here to record on it. I've got my little to-go wine. You know, it's a red blend. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't. Unless it's sweet. It's not sweet. It's pretty, pretty dry, bitter wine. Just how I like, it's like, I like my wine. Like I like my men dry and bitter. Perfect. (laughs) Are you excited for Halloween? Yeah. I'm going to my family's house. We're having like a little party during the day. And then uh, the kids are going trick or treating with their friends. So I'm just. Are they a little too old for that? No, they're, (laughs) they're still young okay actually that ties into the story that I'm going to tell you so are you ready for it I am so I'm actually really excited to dive back into true crime because we've been doing spooky tales lately and um like I said this story does take place on Halloween so it's still on theme but it's a true crime story so this is a story about the candy man have you ever heard of the candy man? I've seen the movie. <laughs> okay. Which I mean is based off of this story and it became like an urban legend kind of. So are you ready to dive in? Yes, I am. Let's go. So the Halloween tradition of kids dressing up and going door to door to ask for candy officially started in the 1950s. I don't know if you realize that. But that's I did when, not. That's, that's when very trick or treating started. Yes, because All Hallows Eve obviously has been a Halloween or a Halloween a holiday for much longer. But that's when trick or treating started. And yeah, for some reason, I feel like it's always been a fear that we've heard of growing up, or just it even started back when trick or treating started of the fear that getting sweets from strangers that they might do something to these sweets, like slip a razor blade into an apple or poison candies or I don't think an apple is a sweet. (laughs) A caramel covered apple. Okay. Maybe be a little more. uh... (laughs) Holy. Um, And there was even like rumors that went around that people were putting drugs in candy, like acid and stuff like that, which that doesn't make any sense to me because you know how it's candy. Well, do you know how expensive drugs are? You really think some guys gonna be like, "Oh, to buy some drugs and well, not really candy." <laughs> I don't do drugs, so I don't know. <laughs> do you know? 
Yeah. Drugs are expensive if you didn't know. So you're not going to buy a bunch of drugs and put it in candy to get kids high for a couple of hours. Doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's crazy. That's so crazy. But, but yeah, if you, if you really think about it, you're like, okay, kids, let's go trick or treating. Let's go to strangers houses and get candy from them. And you're like, don't talk to, don't, don't talk to strangers. You tell your kids and then you, you let take- them go to their house. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember growing up, I literally remember my mom would like, and I'm pretty sure my dad did too, but my mom specifically, I remember would like check the wrapper if I was like, oh, I want this candy. And she'd be like, let me make sure the seal's not broken and stuff. You know, like, I feel like that was such a common thing, but the actual urban legend of people poisoning candy is mostly just that the cases of people actually poisoning or putting razor blades in sweet treats that they give out to kids is not a very common thing it's more of an urban legend except for this story so this story really created a lot of buzz around that whole fear that people have so this story takes place in the 70s Um, it's the story of the o'brien family Um, it was ronald uh, denine and their two children timothy and elizabeth On Halloween of 1974 in Pasadena, Texas, the O'Brien family started their night um, on Halloween at another family's house with the home of Jim Bates. So it was the Bates family and his wife and his children. The Bates Uh, Motel? Pretty close. No, shush. (laughs) So after dinner, Jim and Ronald, the two dads, took three of the kids, Timothy who is a Elizabeth, who is five and Jim's son, which I didn't really get much information, uh, information about the Bates kids. Cause I guess the story is not really about them. And I did look at several sources. So mm-hmm. just an FYI, but they took those three kids out to trick or treat Timothy um, or yeah, Timothy O'Brien is the only person that I got information about what costume he was wearing, but he was wearing a planet of the apes costume. Oh, that was probably popular back then, right? It was, yes. That was the time of like um, Planet of the Apes and Star Wars, I think, came out later in the 70s too. But that was like one of the biggest costumes of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, as the So the two dads took these three kids around and they went door to door. Bates would stay behind on the sidewalk and O'Brien would go up to the doors with the children. They went house to house, um, one after the other, their candy bags were filling up. And then they came across a home that was dark and it seems like nobody was home, but the kids and O'Brien still went up to the door and rang the doorbell. There was no answer. So the kids decided to move on to the next house, but O'Brien said he would wait behind just in case someone did answer the door. What the heck? That's weird. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's kind of weird, but like, to be honest, my parents have done that before where they're like, or even kids have done that before. They were like, well, maybe someone will answer. You never know, which I don't know. <laughs> it is kind of weird, but yeah, we would walk, just walk by the houses that were off. Cause obviously like, that's just what I was told, like growing up, like just shut off your light if you don't want to give out candy or whatever. Yeah. But you can't tell me that you've sat at home with your lights off and your doorbells didn't ring at least like maybe once it still happens. Yeah. Yeah. 
still happens. Um, but so a few minutes later, O'Brien ran up to them saying, oh, the person finally answered their door and they gave me these pixie sticks and they were giant pixie sticks. They were 22 inch straws full of sugar in case people don't know what a pixie stick is. Mm-hmm. Um, they had and- those back then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, wow. they had pixie sticks. They sure did. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, this was a big piece of candy for a house to be giving out. Like I'm telling, you know, those giant ones where you could like smack each other with them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those kinds. <laughs> and O'Brien insisted to the kids that it was their lucky day because their rich neighbors had decided to give out expensive treats. The sticks were given to the three kids trick-or-treating. So Timothy, his sister, and then the other little boy. Um, Bates other um five-year-old daughter who was left at home also got a pixie stick so there's four of them and the fifth one was given to a kid that the they had run into while they were trick-or-treating that o'brien had recognized from their church um this kid's name was whitney parker and he was 10 years old at the time so did he just get handed a whole bunch of pixie sticks Mm -hmm. yeah he said that like the guy opened the door handed him the treats and then he grabbed them and walked away um, they were only trick-or-treating for about half an hour when it started raining. So they ended their trip early and started to head back home. Um, later on, when the O'Brien family went back to their house in Deer Park, Texas, Ronald, which is O'Brien, I switch out his name quite often here. I, I might just switch to Ronald because that'll <laughs> maybe stop the confusion. I don't know. So Ronald told his kids before they went to bed that they could choose one candy to eat. And Timothy was super excited because he wanted to eat his giant pixie stick. He's like, I'm going to have one. I'm going to have the biggest one that you have, which reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of my child. It's exactly Mine too. She loves she, those. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah, okay, I'll have the giant, the biggest yeah. one then. So she um, poured a bunch in a bowl one time and was eating it like that. I'm like, what the heck? Like licking her finger. And like yeah. Stick. I could see that happening for sure. <laughs> Um, so Timothy at the time was still in his Planet of the Apes costume, which is perfect for those costumes because I don't know if you know they have like the monkey mouth, so you could like it's like a little circle, oh, so you yeah. could like stick the Pegasus stick right through the hole. Oh yeah. <laughs> and fun fact, I actually knew this lady. The very first property that I worked at in property management, she knew um, this guy who worked on the Planet of the Apes movie. And he was, she said, I think they were like dating. And she said they would meet up in the, between his breaks or like at his lunchtime. And the only thing that they could like drink or eat while they were in those costumes, because they couldn't take it off during breaks. Cause that's like hours of makeup to put on. They would just mm. sip stuff through straws. So like a milkshake or soup or whatever. Yeah. So Yes, that was just a little fun fact. That's crazy. But, <laughs> um, so Tim- Timothy was having a hard time actually getting the candy out of the stick. So his dad helped him by like hitting it on the table and rolling it in his arms until the powder came loose um, and then went to helped pour it into Timothy's mouth. Timothy stopped eating it after just one taste, telling his dad that it was super bitter. Oh. Um, Ronald gave Timothy some Kool-Aid to wash it down And only a few minutes later, Timothy started crying out in pain to his father. Um, Ronald was quoted in the Associated Press saying, direct quote, it seems like it wasn't long before he was complaining his stomach hurt and he didn't feel good. He was bent over vomiting and was was holding him 
I was sorry. And I was holding <laughs> him when he just went limp. We thought we were so careful. We had even wondered if we were, should go trick or treating this year. There isn't going to be any more trick or treating for us. Does that like make you think like right away that if he thought the guy like that gave it to them, do you think he like thought it was him right away? Or do you think he thought it was the person's house? I don't understand that question. <laughs> Do you think it was the guy or his house? No. The- I'm giving away poison. No. Okay. The dad that yes. gave his son that. Yeah. Do you think he thought right away it was the other father that did it to his oh, child? I see what you're saying. Well, I don't Wake think up. so because. No, that didn't make any sense. All it did in my head. So I, I don't think that's what he thought because he was the one that got those pixie sticks from that guy at that house. Oh, I'm so confused at who's who right now. Okay. I, I, that's why I knew I should have called him Ronald <laughs> this whole time instead of O'Brien versus Bates. Cause that's like, okay. So O'Brien is the main character. O'Brien is Ronald. Who's the father <laughs> okay. of Timothy. And oh, he got the pixie sticks oh. from that house. Oh, okay. Now yeah. it's making, I was so confused. I thought it was the other guy. Oh gosh. <laughs> that I hope my listeners, our listeners don't think this <laughs> <laughs> or they're like wow Alicia you're an she's, idiot <laughs> she's half asleep so don't no listen. I am wide awake it's you that's <laughs> half asleep but if I'm confused because like you even said you like named a bunch of different names so anyways <laughs> besides the point so when the emergency call came in around 10 30 p.m um when Ronald called 911 basically an ambulance was in the area already and they were able to arrive on scene within minutes however it was already too late Timothy had been poisoned he was rushed to Southmore hospital and he died on the way there in his father's arms oh god so Mike Hinton of the Pasadena Police Department hears that an eight-year-old died of poisoning and calls the chief medical examiner when he calls, he told, and he arrives on scene, he's there now, just by the way, in case you're confused again, mm-hmm. um, he told him the situation and the medical examiner asked him what the boy's breath smelled like. Can you guess what it smelled like? Uh, no. Okay. Well, when we get more into true crime, you'll get better at this. Okay. He said that his breath smelled like almonds. The doctor knew right away that the boy was poisoned with cyanide cyanide smells Mm. like almonds yes it does and fun fact only 20 to 40 percent of the population or between 20 and 40 percent of the population does not carry the gene to detect the odor of cyanide so only like 60 70 percent of people can smell this even among those who possess the necessary gene olfactory fatigue can prevent cyanide detection so like as you get older you're less likely to smell it Mm. So when the autopsy came back on Timothy, they found out that he consumed enough cyanide to kill up to two to three full grown men. Holy like crap. Like he consumed a lot. Wait, I um, thought he had barely tasted it or did he? He did. Like- no, he, and that's the point is cyanide. You only need a small amount to kill wow, somebody. That's like crazy. it's a very small amount. Yeah. Um, the police examined the piggy, but the pixie stick 
and said that someone had opened the tube, replaced two to three inches of candy with the poison, and then restapled it back together. Holy crap, that's crazy. Yeah, and like, imagine, so you're like a kid and you're expecting sugar, and literally the first two to three inches of this 22-inch stick is like poison, straight up poison. Disgusting. Um, Lieutenant Goad heard about this story on the news, and he was extremely touched by it. He said that his son and Timothy were resembled each other and so he came um to help investigate the case and he promised ronald that he would catch whoever had killed his son so there were still the other pixie sticks out there at this time um they got to the pixie sticks from timothy's sister who thank god hadn't eaten it yet and the bates's son as well but um they also had to and son and daughter they still had to track down that other pixie stick that he had given to a random kid that he saw that he knew from church, Whitney Parker. They had to track this kid down. When they finally found out where he was, they went to his house and knocked on his door and his parents answered and they told him what happened and they panicked. They went, rushed over to his Halloween bag and dug through the whole thing no pixie stick in there and so his parents figured they're like okay this kid is like usually sneak stuff so they're like what if he snuck the pixie stick upstairs so they run upstairs to Whitney's room and he was laying there with the pixie stick in his hand upon further investigation they found out that he had tried to open it but couldn't because it was stapled shut and gave up after a while and just fell asleep Oh, wow. That's insane. It was like straight out of a movie. Like, and I can picture that too, because I've been a kid where I'm like trying so hard to sneak something and I can't open it. And then Mm -hmm. you just like give up and then you fall asleep. Like, thank God that kid was tired. So after this happened, the small town panicked, knowing that there was someone out there that was poisoning their children, but they weren't sure who it was. Parents even went so far as to turn in their candy to the police who said, you know, come bring your candy if you're scared it might have been tampered with. Um, This is a quote from another detective named Lanier. Um, He said, people were scared to death. We put out the word, if you have any suspicious candy or if anything looks strange, bring it to us. We wound up with a whole room full of candy. People didn't go trick-or-treating around here for years. Wow. I mean, that, that makes sense, you know? Yeah, because it's like something you always hear growing up, like, oh, let me check your candy, make sure it's, and then it actually happens. Mm-hmm. That would be terrifying. Yeah. So when police took Ronald aside and interrogated him, they just wanted to figure out who this man was, where he got the candy from. And uh, he said he didn't know what the man looked like. Literally, when the guy opened the door to hand him the pixie sticks, all he saw was a hairy arm. Which, I mean, <laughs> it was the 70s, so everybody was hairy back then. I feel like oh, he was in to be hairy. I guess. <laughs> um, they took him back to the neighborhood to try to find the house where the pixie stick came from. But Ronald had a difficult time remembering which house it was at. Which was weird, because like I said, it had rained when they were trick-or-treating, so they didn't trick-or-treat for long. And mm-hmm. it was only two streets they went down. Well, and you would think because he stood there for long enough, who knows how long he was standing there? Like, exactly. well, how could he forget? That doesn't make sense. Right. Like a house where you got five giant pixie sticks from. Like That would be on. something you would remember. Exactly. 
Um, and then a few days later, they had held Timothy's funeral and he was remembered as a very like boy's boy played soccer and baseball. His dad sung a few hymns for him and he was only a third grader at the time of his death. So it was just really sad. Um, the police after the funeral took Ron again to the neighborhood and they're like, come on, dude, we got to figure out who did this to your son so that we can make sure he didn't give candy to anybody else. On the third time around the neighborhood, he finally found the house that he identified. And this is where they finally got their first suspect for the case. The man who lived at this house was Courtney Melvin. Um, He was an air traffic controller at the Hobby Airport. However, on the night of Halloween 1974, he had been working. There were an upwards of 200 witnesses to the fact that he was at work that night and he didn't get home that night until 11 p.m., which they have a hairy arm. Regardless, (laughs) he didn't get home until 11. Yeah. And the I mean, the 911 call went out at 1030. So wasn't wasn't him his wife and daughter were at home that evening and they had turned out the lights when they ran out of candy and they said that they never answered the door they did hear it ring a few times after they turned off the light mm-hmm. but they didn't answer the door i mean they didn't have candy well and the guy said it was a man that handed it to him so that's kind of already suspicious exactly exactly so with a bunch of dead ends no other house no other suspect to turn to they decided to turn their investigation towards Ronald himself. Ronald at the time was an um, optician who worked for Texas State Optical. What is that? If you know what an optician is. I don't. It sounds like an eye doctor or something. Basically, there's three different levels of being an eye doctor. The top is an ophthalmologist Mm -hmm. and then an optometrist and then an optician. So an optician, all an optician can do is fit you with glasses and lenses and contacts, but they Mm -hmm. can't like actually measure your eyes and tell you, this is your prescription. It's like, once you have that prescription, Mm -hmm. then you go and take it to the optician and get your glasses or whatever. Mm. Makes sense. Um, He was actually wearing his white coat that night that they went trick-or-treating. Another fun fact. Oh, Um, When the police started to investigate him, they found out that he was upwards of $100,000 in debt, which if you increase it with inflation is $500,000 today. Um, He had also just lost his house and was on the verge of losing his car. Um, At work, his employers had just discovered that he had also been stealing from the company and they were about to fire him. Um, Ronald had been fired from up to 21 jobs before this one. Wow. That's crazy. Like, can you imagine being his wife? I'd be like, I'd be like, with you? yeah, I would have left already. Like, dude, oh, yeah. long time ago. together. Um, they also discovered that not too long before his son's death, he had taken out a $31,000 life insurance policy on each of his kids. So totaling around 60,000. They sure do. They should have already looked at him because of all that. Well, the investigation didn't take that long when they were looking for what house this came from Uh first. Because that was such an urban legend. It was such a thing that people talked about. And then right when they found out, "Mm, wrong, that's not it. 
then mm-hmm. they started investigating him. So mm. I think the police did a good job in this case, actually. Okay. Which is a shocker. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so Halloween fell on a Thursday that year. And on Friday, the very next day after his son died at 9 a.m., just hours after his son's death, Ronald had called the insurance company to require about collecting the check. Oh my God. <laughs> what a sleaze bag. Seriously. This guy. Whew. Uh, within That's a few disgusting. days. Disgusting. I'm sorry. Like, just it would this be man a- is literal garbage. Literal. Yeah. Like, you're in debt. So you're going to. Yeah. Okay. Let me continue. <laughs> Within a few days of discovering this, he was arrested under the suspicion that he had attempted to kill his kids for insurance money, and it was theorized that he took out the policies on his kids, would kill them, then claim the money, but he also planned to poison up to three other kids, that's where there was a total of five, um, and poison them so that it would make him look less suspicious if like you know, a bunch that's of why he gave it to them. like random kids. Mm-hmm. Here you exactly. go, kid. So Ronald's trial started in May of 1975. The prosecutors were Mike Hinton from earlier and Victor Driscoll. Um, although they couldn't figure out where the poison had come from, like they searched, like they couldn't figure out where he bought it from. They did have several witnesses at his trial that said um, he had been asking how to ob- obtain the poison and how much it would take to kill someone. Oh my gosh, that should like already like red flags to somebody they're like uh this guy came in here was asking about uh how to kill somebody like how much of this exactly do i need to that kill is somebody? not normal uh, what about an eight-year-old kid called my son oh yeah. my god he's crazy um he took classes at harris county community college and it is said that he asked his teacher how much poison it would take to kill certain animals is what he said at first um but there were also witnesses that came forward that's at the chem a chemical store um that said he came in to inquire about cyanide but he left learning that the smallest package they sold was five pounds and he's like i don't need five pounds of it crazy guy the summer before he had also called an acquaintance who worked for a chemical company and asked him questions about cyanide including what constituted a fatal human dose which blows my mind that he looked so much into this but his son was poisoned with enough cyanide to kill three grown men yeah so it's like the fact that he's researched it enough and he's like okay so i need this much so i'm gonna like quadruple the dosage to make sure my kid dies god like like that's crazy to me that's just heart-wrenching that like anybody could just want to hurt their own child like that like yeah and it's like it's literally just because he's in debt so like File bankruptcy, get a new job. Like, come on, be a freaking man. It's disgusting that he would do this to his own child. And on Halloween, it's like a night where I just picture Timothy being so excited to eat that pixie stick and it just mm. kills him almost instantly. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. Yeah. Also, while investigating, they found some of the plastic from the pixie sticks in his house. So bada bing bada boom like here he is cutting off the tip pouring Mm -hmm. in cyanide and then stapling it shut i are they stapled they glue them don't they 
They do. Yeah. They're, or they're, well, they're not glued. They're like pressed together. You know, the plastic yeah. so you could like pinch maybe them back, open. Maybe back then they stapled it. Maybe, maybe. I don't think so though. Cause remember that other kid was struggling with the staple to get it open. So I don't mm-hmm. think that's how they're normally enclosed. He just did it. Cause the kid's not going to question like, why is the staple shut? He's just going to open yeah, it. I guess. And down it. Mm-hmm. Um, his sister-in-law said that while at Timothy's funeral, he even made comments to her about using the insurance money to go on vacation. What the fuck? Which is like, okay, but wait, you're in crippling debt that you murdered your child. And then when you get that money, you're like, oh, I'm going to take a vacation. What? That doesn't even make, that just shows you how crazy this guy was. Like yeah. sociopath for sure. Oh yeah. 1000%. Uh, um, so it took the jury 20 or sorry, 46 minutes to deliberate and find him guilty. He was sentenced with the death penalty. Good. Exactly. Hopefully <laughs> was, they gave him cyanide. Well, it's, it's crazy because, you know, the death penalty is such a touchy subject. Obviously there's reasons for it and against it. Um, mm-hmm. But he was actually one of the first to receive the sentencing after the death penalty had just become legal again in Texas at the time. Mm. He was found guilty not only of a murder, but obviously also attempted murder upon those other children who he tried to poison as well. Can you like thank God only it was Timothy, which is really sad that Timothy did have to perish because of this, but he gave out five of these sticks and that kid that fell asleep with that in his hand. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. just so crazy. Like so all crazy. of that, it, it seemed like it, like when you were telling the story of it, it almost seemed like it was elongated, like it was uh, weeks, but it wasn't, you know what I mean? No, it went by really fast. Yeah. So this is just a side note that I find quite ironic is that Ron was sentenced to die on October 31st, Halloween of 1984, which is exactly 10 years. (laughs) Wait, for real? Yeah, I was born in 84. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you were so old. But I wasn't born yet. I was in my mom's belly. Okay, but a month later, there was the uh, And I came into this world like that with the man that just killed his child. Yeah, like a month later, you're all, here's me. <laughs> I yeah, that's crazy. I didn't realize you were that old. I'm just kidding. Oh, thanks. You're very old. <laughs> you're like, you're that old. You were born in the 80s. Oh, you were. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So his wife, um, Deneen, did divorce him while he was in prison. I would hope. Surprise, surprise. And she remarried only four years later, moving on with her life. She was never really concerned with Ronald or what came from him. She was very indifferent about it. Obviously, she was heartbroken about what happened to Timothy. But Mm -hmm. she was really concerned about her daughter because her daughter is like, she's like, your dad killed your brother and tried to kill tried you. Tried to kill too. you. Yeah. Yeah. Really sad. Um, she doesn't remember, or she doesn't remember or like never heard him talk about ever, you know, sacrificing their kids for money or she never really even heard him talk about money problems. None of that stuff. 
but she does remember because he was a religious man mm-hmm. him talking about abraham from the bible and having to sacrifice his son when god told him to and how hard that must be but you got to do what you got to do basically which is so like disgusting that oh, yeah. he was comparing himself to abraham like god bro <laughs> like come on and not even You're not like, no not even um, the same level at all like you're in debt no I'm so no I just can't even even if it even if it was something more serious I'd be like I'll just kill myself before I kill my child like no not gonna Mm -hmm. happen um she never ever ever cashed her son's insurance money and she called it blood money which oh yeah good for her I would yeah no I mean I would never I have life insurance and stuff on my daughter too but like obviously if it's something like that Mm -hmm. my husband kills my no like good good for her like she even though obviously her husband was in crippling debt and I'm guessing in turn she was too but even Mm -hmm. then she's like not no can I cash this money yeah so for 10 years he served his time on death row claiming the entire time that he was innocent He even tried to appeal the case several times to no end. In an interview concerning his appeals, because this was like a media frenzy at the time, and there was little baby Alicia (laughs) sitting there in her swaddle or whatever. Um, (laughs) He even said in an interview um, right before his execution that um, people, he's like, I'm innocent and this is ridiculous. And claims are going on to try to consider the victims of the crime, which is my son. But what you should think about is that I'm the victim of this crime. Oh, no, you're not. You're a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. And while he was incarcerated, his fellow inmates hated him for killing his son because, I mean, that's actually a thing in prison. You know, there's different tiers of like, if you're Mm -hmm. a child molester or murderer, like you're hated in prison, which is. Pretty interesting to have a pecking order in there. Yeah. Wondering if hell's the same. I'm sure it is. Um, which is where he's probably rotting for a turn. Yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah. Um, the prisoners that he was incarcerated with were the ones that gave him the nickname, the Candyman. Mm-hmm. And the media had dubbed him the man who killed Halloween. Because literally, like I said, they didn't trick or treat in that town for years after this case. I wonder like when they did again, like when they felt like comfortable, you know, maybe when it kind of like, but that was such a popular, like they made movies out of it and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. it is, it's, it's a case that like turned into an urban legend where people are like, Oh, where did this legend came from? It came from a man who killed his own child. Like, but it wasn't even the same. They made it so different. They did, which they do a lot with urban legends, mm-hmm. especially when the truth is more dark than the actual urban legend. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't even it. exactly like I wouldn't even imagine like them creating a movie out of this. It's like this is that's like really so dark. sad. Yeah. So on March 31st of 1984, Ronald Clark O'Brien was 39 the day that he was put to death. He had for his last meal. You want to know what his last meal was? Always interests me. Pixie like, stick. 
<laughs> I wish. I wish they had sprinkled a pinky, mm. a pinky, a pixie stick on top and put like cyanide in it. That would exactly. have been chef's kiss. No, he had steak, fries, peas, and a Boston cream pie. Peas? Yeah. Ew. <laughs> you don't like peas? No. Girl, I don't You're just so picky. But Pete, you like peas? <laughs> yeah, I like Pete. I like any vegetable, like, to be honest. I'll eat it. Don't Maybe worry. if it's slathered in butter. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. I find it interesting that they actually give them what they want. It's like, give him a piece of shit. Like, that's what he did deserve. He shouldn't. Yeah, but I mean, I kind of get it. And I find it amusing because some I've even seen people like, we could even do a whole episode on like serial killers and stuff and their last meal because it's really interesting to me. That, yeah, we should. It really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So he was killed via chemical co- cocktail inserted via lethal injection. While his sentence um, was carried out, demonstrators in Halloween masks stood outside. Some even included parents of murdered children, and they were there. Like it was all filmed and stuff saying how could you kill your own child like our children were murdered by other people Mm -hmm. and this sick son of a bitch killed his own child um they were all standing outside with halloween masks and they're they were just chanting trick or treat like very yes yeah (laughs) crazy very like uh i don't know it's very like movie-esque even yeah um the former optician agreed to donate his eyes for research and cataract transplants after his death. Brum, brum, brum. He's like, have my eyes. And people are like, I don't want them. Yeah. <laughs> so this is his last statement that he wrote before he died. He said, this is a verbatim. What is about to transpire in a few moments is wrong. However, we as human beings do make mistakes and errors. This execution is one of those wrongs, yet doesn't mean our whole system of justice is wrong. Which I'm like, what do you mean errors? Like you murdered your own son. It's crazy. Therefore, I would forgive all who have taken part in any way in my death. Also, to any way, anyone I have offended in any way during my 39 years, I pray and ask your forgiveness. Like your son that you murdered? Yeah. Just as I forgive anyone who offended me in any way. And I pray and ask God's forgiveness for all of us, respectively, as human beings. To my loved ones, I extend an un- my undying love. To those close to me, know in your hearts I love you one and all. God bless you all, and may God's best blessings be always yours. Ryan C. O'Brien. And then he put P.S. During my time here, I have been treated well by the TDC personnel. What? <laughs> He's giving a Yelp review of his time in prison. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just by the way. It was amazing. Five what stars. A, you know what? what's kind of crazy what they should do? Is they should, like after like serial killers die, they should take their brain and analyze it. They do. That's not all of them. They do. That's the thing. Every single one. Well, I'm sure not every single one because I'm, I'm half the time di- they die of crazy ass ways. 
That's true. But they do. That's a part of psychology and like the FBI when they came up with the term serial killer. That's a part of it for sure. Well, I wonder what they find. A lot of undeveloped parts, I'm sure. (laughs) That would be something to do for the podcast. True. That's very true. We can like do like a serial killer like episode where we kind of like analyze everything about them. You Which know? is hard because there's so much like one thing about serial killers that freaks me out is when they're in prison, like awaiting their sentence or whatever. And then they like get women and girls who like are obsessed with them and fall in love with them. And they're like, oh my gosh, I love you. And I'm like, he murdered 30 <laughs> women. Why do you love what? Like Ted Bundy, crazy. Even the oh, Night Stalker yeah. had some. He's yeah yeah it's weird it's some of them aren't even good looking so I'm like how could they get women like that like (laughs) these women are to their dumbasses like women like toxic men or men they think they can change that's just a part of who we are it's just natural anyways so trick-or-treating was banned in Deer Park for a while after this incident Hospitals offered x-rays of candy to help soothe parents' minds, and the state of Texas released a program teaching parents how to visually inspect candy that their kids received while trick-or-treating. I think I would just smash it and then eat it. And Okay, it's fine. Then if I die, it's fine. I'd rather die before they die. You can't just look at the candy and find out if it's fine or not. You gotta die instead. Yeah, (laughs) I gotta smash it. so weird you're a weird person I just I just look at the candy I'm like okay which ones do I want (laughs) you're like okay you can have the rest and they're like mom all you left us was tootsie rolls (laughs) hey they do like those though I remember liking those I like you're a weird family (laughs) we are such a weird family so actually so like I said people poisoning candy and stuff was very it's not that common despite how popular it is of like an urban legend and stuff Mm -hmm. the very first like recorded case of it happened in 1964 in Long Island when Helen File was upset that older kids were trick-or-treating remember when I said that your kids might come into this yeah so she handed out dog biscuits dog biscuits still wool and poisonous ant buttons she was found guilty of endangering children (laughs) wait what ant buttons yeah they're like little things that you would put out and then ants would go on it and then be poisoned and die oh okay ant buttons come on (laughs) so that's the story of the candy man gosh that's so sad It really is. And it's like a story that I wanted to do because when I heard, I feel like I think I remember. Yeah, I think I I heard this one too. Well, because it's an urban legend of like, don't let your kids eat candy. And then like, yeah, it came from this man who killed his own kid from it. Yeah, but I think I remember hearing the story too. You were literally a baby when this happened. No, I meant like on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I heard it in my mom's stomach. It's literally like the case that like spread this urban legend like wildfire so i'm sure mm-hmm. you have while you were should... in your mom's stomach yeah it happened <laughs> gosh that's so crazy 
crazy. Like it is. It is because you take like something that like I picture Elizabeth, Timothy's sister, when she grew up taking her kids to trick or treat. And like imagine the whole time you're just thinking, like, oh my gosh, like my dad killed my brother doing this. Like, what if my husband tries to kill my kids while doing that? Like, I don't know. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would ever, ever be able to, to trick her. Did you ever find out information about her? Like, yeah, she, she just, she grew up, got married, had kids, moved on with her life. It was never really, she just kind of, kind of like the same thing that her mom did just tried to forget about forget it and move on yeah because it's like she was I so can't... young too so she it probably she was five yeah yeah so she probably doesn't like remember anything mm-hmm. you know so yeah. the only thing she knows is just by stories but still like that in itself could be traumatizing just hearing about your father for sure. killing your brother almost killing you but you survived uh, and imagine that kid that like literally fell asleep with it in his hands like Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. I feel like that was totally God being. But like, what's even more crazy is that the dad helped his son open it. It's not crazy. He wanted to make sure it happened to at least one of them. I know, but I'm just like, he did it, but then he like literally opened it like, okay, time to poison you. Like, oh well, my and God. That's, that, exactly. And that's the point where it's like, cause I'm iffy about the death penalty sometimes too, but like, when it comes to cases like that, not only was it premeditated, like he had been asking for at least a year, hey, how do we poison people, this and that. Not only that, but he had the moment of taking the candy and pretending like he got it from somebody else, Mm -hmm. driving home, asking his kids which candy they wanted, Timothy choosing that one, Timothy not being able to open it. Like he had Mm -hmm. all those opportunities to stop himself and like throw it away. Yeah. but he made sure that it happened. Made sure, like that. That just blows my mind. Where he's like, "Oh, you can't get the candy out. Let me help you," and then poured it into his son's mouth. Like, I, I don't know. It's just it's really sad because, like, sometimes I even feel bad about spanking my daughter. Like, I'll spank her when she's really bad, and then I'm like, "Oh, my poor child." But I'm like, "No, oh, she deserves." So I can imagine, like killing mm-hmm. your child like I, I there's there's got to be something wrong with you mentally like you have to be sick of that. yeah I know I know my kids can drive me crazy like to the point where I feel like I'm going mad but not to the point where I would ever do anything to them like that's just like I miss them when they're gone you know yeah. so oh yeah it's, it's it's crazy that is it's really sad but I'm glad I got to tell this tale because I wanted to tell true crime case, get us back into true crime, but it's one that takes place on Halloween and like helped ignite this stigma that I grew up with. I mean, I was born Mm -hmm. in the nineties and my mom, like up until I stopped trick-or-treating at about like 12, like would always be like, let me check your candy. Mm -hmm. She, She would think like some stranger would poison me, you know? And it's like that case really like solidified that fear in parents yeah I never like my parents were so strict growing up and I know we trick-or-treated but I was so small that I don't remember because then we didn't trick-or-treat like I think I did maybe when I was older Mm. um but if I did I I don't remember like my parents just were strict Christians and they didn't believe in it they said it was the devil's holiday (laughs) yeah my mom did that 
for a little while too and she'd be like we could go to trunk or treat at the church but we can't go church and I'm like mom I want to dress up as a princess I get candy (laughs) (laughs) which is so funny because she's not like that now Mm -hmm. but I'm taking my child and my niece who is on the way and my nephews and stuff are going to go trick-or-treating on Sunday, which is such an interesting day for Halloween to fall on because they all got work the next day, boo. But um, taking them trick-or-treating and my sister even said, she's like, what if nobody's like giving out candy that day? And I'm like, girl, we'll, I'll take them to Target and get them candy the next day if I have to. Mm-hmm. but we'll do we'll figure it out it'll be fine yeah know. with COVID like I know people were asking like on social media like what's gonna so? happen yeah they were just like are you gonna trick-or-treat like people are so like um just strict about it like are if they're gonna do it or if you know like where to go I feel like it's less strict this year though than it was last year yeah, but I mean, people still ask, you know, and some yeah. people say they're not going to go. So I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's just, I, I want to get back to normalcy, you know, where people aren't yes. like, so like not, and we're not just scared of like people poisoning our kids candies, which when never happens, but also now scared mm-hmm. of COVID yeah. Being on candy, which the CDC has proven that it, that's not how it transmits, but mm-hmm. we're still scared. <laughs> yeah yeah I think we're probably just gonna try it out and if it doesn't work then we're just gonna party at my sister's house and maybe watch some scary party party hard party you know just a bunch of moms and their kids (laughs) as much of a party as that could be (laughs) yeah but I'm excited because you're coming out in two weeks I know party for sure (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's gonna be great and we'll be able to have it alive I know you're bringing your stuff right yeah, I'm gonna have to try to fit in everything in one bag. I don't know yeah, how much. Fit do that. it in one bag and use it as your carry-on because it's really heavy, I feel like. But are they gonna let me take the microphone? Because it's like yeah. heavy. You can take anything you want as a carry-on. But it's metal. What if they say it's a weapon? You'd be like, it's a microphone. You're telling me that podcasters have literally never, ever, ever, ever traveled with their mic. They Lies. might check the bag. And and I want to take a carry on. I don't want to spend money just for my mic. I'll just use yours. We'll just share a mic and talk in the same one. <laughs> I don't, I'm actually curious to see how it's going to work in person anyways. Cause like yeah. my mic can pick up like things in the background all the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm curious, but I'm so excited to Me see too. you. I miss you so much. I know I miss you. But it's like, it's fun. like so surreal, you know? Like I know I'm like, who is this lady? <laughs> who is this person I see every <laughs> week on camera? I know because it's crazy. We used to see each other, especially towards the end, like at least two to three times a week. And now we mm-hmm. like, don't see oh, each other no. at all. You have to come back. <laughs> if I can ever afford it. You <laughs> so will. Expensive. <laughs> I better mm-hmm. one day. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, everyone to my true crime horrible halloween story i was telling my roommate i was like yeah this week is like a true crime and i'm so excited about it but it is horrible and she's like well true crime's always horrible it's about death and i'm like 
you right you right mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yep. true it's true all right guys well have a good rest of your night we hope you have a safe happy healthy halloween weekend enjoy your weekend everyone goodbye bye